What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. After the Patriots, of course, lose to the New York Giants. So we'll chat with James White in just a little bit. The first thing you'll hear is part of our FanDuel TV show, The Local Angle, which airs every Monday at 9 o'clock on FanDuel TV. So make sure to check that out. So we'll get into this 10-7 to loss, which was just an eyesore. Really, it was disrespectful to the sport of football. We'll talk to James about that. And I want to get into the Celtics after, of course, they play the Hawks on Sunday night. But first up, you'll hear from James White. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now, as he does each and every week after Patriots games, it is James White. James, the Patriots dropped to 2-9. and nine. We didn't see one bad quarterback today. We saw two bad quarterbacks today. And we've said multiple times this season, this team just continues to go in the wrong direction. Although today, I would almost argue, Chad Ryland missing that kick at the end of the game they're actually going in the right direction because now the Giants are up to four wins of the season. And look, Carolina won today and or Carolina lost today rather and Chicago has that pick. It's going to be very difficult to get to the number one pick in the draft. But the Patriots right now, as bad as today was, I do think if you're a Patriots fan right now, you have to have some level of optimism that, hey, maybe we're going to get the next franchise quarterback out of this. It's still disappointing in a way, just when watching the game, playing a uh... I would still say that's an inferior opponent having Tommy yep. DeVito, you know, as their starting quarterback right now. That's a game that the Patriots should win. But like you said, it's more of the same offensively. Turnovers from both quarterbacks. I thought they should have ran the ball a little bit more. That's your two best players. I keep saying it every single week. Hand those guys the ball, get them the ball as much as possible. But like you said, it at the end of the day, it, it probably is better to to lose right now than it is to win. But man, it's, it's just <laughs> it's just hard to watch because. You know, we're so accustomed to playing a certain way, and you guys are so accustomed to watching a certain brand of football in the last two years. It hasn't been, you know, 
close to that, you know, whatsoever. It's been in spurts. You know, last year they had a few games where they looked pretty solid on both sides, but for the most part, it's been very inconsistent. Yeah, it's been really difficult to watch. And now I think I'm at the stage where I'm just used to it now, so I'm not upset like I was. (laughs) Earlier on in the season, James, I was coming on here, I was screaming, I was all (laughs) upset. Now I've come to terms with it, right? And to your point about the running game, it's fascinating to me that if you look at it from a Patriots perspective in this game, They ran the ball less, but they ran for more yards. And they threw the ball more, but they threw for fewer yards. Which, in the modern-day NFL, that's nearly impossible to do. (laughs) So let's get to the quarterbacks, because neither one of them was great in this game. And Mac Jones, he wins the Week 12 quarterback battle, which we always see in the NFL. Every team is competing Week 12 to figure out who their starting quarterback is going to be, right? Somehow Mac wins it, and as I'm watching the first half of this game— I tweeted out, we need to see the footage of Bailey Zappi's practice, because how could he possibly be worse than what Mac Jones is doing right now? So just like some of those interceptions, the one he threw to Deontay Banks, I don't know what he's doing there. There's one Patriot in the area, and no disrespect to Douglas, who we all love, Pop Douglas, but he's he's like, what, 5'8", 5'9", 5'7", maybe, and there's three Giants around him, right? Then the second one... He's getting hit by Isaiah Simmons, and he just sort of throws it up, just trying to get rid of the football. And then later on, he threw into double coverage, where uh, essentially Booty was blanketed. I don't know what he was thinking there. And then he almost lost the ball again. Well, he did technically lose the ball, but the Patriots recovered on that fumble when he was stripped. So now you look at it on the season. Mac Jones has... 12 interceptions and 10 touchdowns. And you look across the league, the high turnover guys, like Sam Howell, for example, 13 interceptions, he has 18 touchdowns. Allen, 12 interceptions, 22 touchdowns. Jordan Love, 10 interceptions, 19 touchdowns, two a 10 and 22 touchdowns. And Mac, as we mentioned, is 12 interceptions, 10 touchdowns. So right now what we have with Mac Jones is... Clearly, he's in his own head right now. He can't be the starting quarterback of this team going forward. As bad as Bailey Zappi played, I think you have to go with Zappi going forward based on what we continue to see from Mac Jones. But basically what Mac is, is you would hope he could be a smart quarterback, don't turn the football over, make the right play, hand it off to Stevenson, hand it off to Zeke, and let the defense do the bulk of the work. But the problem is now he's a turnover-prone player with up, without the upside of some of these guys that do turn the football over a lot. Mac just, he hasn't helped himself. Uh, I said it early on in the year. He's been trying to force the issue. There's nobody open. He has time in the pocket. If there's nobody open, just throw it away on that first interception. You don't have to force the ball and you know try and make somebody make a play. There's three defenders around him. There's no chance he's going to get that one. The second one, the, the Pop Douglas, they had him lined up in the backfield. They had him trying to get isolated on a, either a linebacker or safety. I don't know was covering he was taking his sweet time getting out of the backfield so you know max sees the pressure he's trying to get the ball out of his hands but he's not he's not looking just throw the ball into the dirt live to find another play don't turn the football over that's a game you can win if you just leave the game with no interceptions or no turnovers i just think as he's just trying to prove himself too much and you the quarterback you can't I mean, you can make things happen sometimes but you can't force the ball and like, think guys just gonna somehow make a play for you. And I think that's been his biggest issue. And I don't know if they start Zappy going for it. Maybe they will, but like the the product's not gonna look much better. Like as we see, whenever he steps in, like he had the one drivers a bunch of screens and flat passes. So like, yeah, yeah. Max has done the same thing. If they would just lined up and threw screens and handed it off all the way down the field, so I just I just don't know. I mean, to him, I guess to be fair to him, 
it'd be give him an opportunity to start a full four quarter football game, let him get in rhythm and see what he looks like from that aspect. Cause this year he just came in, you know, either in the second half or when Mac has been tripping throughout the game. So I guess in all fairness, we should give him an opportunity to go out there and start a full four quarters. Well, yeah, and we were talking about it last week is just why not just go with Malik Cunningham at this point, right? <laughs> the one thing the Patriots actually do well is run the football. And over the past two weeks, they've been one of the most efficient running teams in the NFL. Like those are the numbers. Like, they have been one of the yeah. most efficient running teams in the entire NFL. Yet today they, for some reason, threw the ball more than they ran the ball, although it was a one score game pretty much the entirety of the game, which I, I can't really comprehend why that was. But to your point about Mac and Zappi, like you look at Mac, he's 4.2 yards per attempt. Bryce Young's last in the NFL at 5.3. Zappi was at 3.9. Mac had a 27.8 passer rating. Zappi had a 42 passer rating. <laughs> so they were both horrible. And you mentioned it, right? Like, so they come in and it's basically all these like screen passes, right? Like if you look at the actual air yards, they're all negative. It's like <laughs> negative five air yards, negative one air yards. His like longest air yard pass is like five yards in the first three series, right? And then... He throws a pick where I don't know what he was thinking either, where this is I guess this is just the theme of the day for the Patriots quarterbacks is, hey, there's three Giants over there. There's one Patriot. Let's throw it into that area. I have no idea what Bailey Zappi was thinking on that play either. And quite frankly, he tried to throw another pick later on in the game as well. So I'm with you as if like there's really not a good choice right now. That's why I think at least Malik Cunningham would be bring this team a different element, right? Other than Mac and Zappi, who are pretty similar talent-wise. Like, Mac's more talented, but neither one of these guys is incredibly talented, and they don't bring the element of the run. So I would just give Malik Cunningham an opportunity and just dig, just run the... I would run the, run the ball 60 times if that's what it takes. takes. The, the forward pass for the Patriots, just pull it out of the playbook at this point. I mean, it's not working. Yeah, it's It's been tough. I mean, every time the ball, you know, goes probably past five yards, you kind of hold your breath and, like, hoping that somebody's actually open down the field, hoping somebody's going to be able to make a play on it. I mean, the game plan this week seemed fairly simple. It's a bunch of slants, swing routes, screens, slip screens. That's really all it was, and still we – find ourselves, you know, every time they throw the football, it's it's a close call for the most part. So it's it's tough to see. Maybe they do either, you know, give Malik Cunningham a try, gives defense something else to think about, QB runs, RPOs, all things that nature. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like they'll still end up rotating those guys. And, hey, guys keep turning football over, the next guy goes into the football game. I thought it was interesting how they, how they waved Will Greer. I thought he was going to be – in the mix, but who knows how he's actually practicing. We're not out there for that. But yeah, the the quarterbacks right now, I think they're they're just wondering what's gonna be going on from a day to day basis, week to week basis, and it seems like both of their confidence is shot right now. Yeah, well, and it's a good point on Will Greer. If they waived him, man, how bad was he <laughs> in the limited rest that he got practice? I just think it's weird, right? Because have you ever had a situation in your career? I mean, most of it was with Tom, so I know not when Tom you were playing with Tom, but say like when it was Cam at the end of the 2020 season or something, like, did you ever have an experience? Not, I get probably in college, but where like quarterbacks were basically switching off reps. It, like there was reporting this week, Phil Perry said that essentially guys had to work with the quarterbacks on the side to get extra work in. Like that to me is probably not the best way. And I get it. The Patriots are in a difficult situation, but how does that help anybody if they don't know who the quarterback's going to be like either say hey Mac's not playing anymore Zappy's the starter or 
hey, Mac's going to start, Zappi's not starting. Like, I don't understand why they had this competition all week because, quite frankly, both guys looked as bad as they've looked all season. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to say. I think <laughs> it's always tough when you're rotating quarterbacks in the middle of the year, in the middle of a game. It's hard for guys to build chemistry, but I said the chemistry wasn't there even when Mac was starting every single football game. And when right. Zappi comes in, looks looks good for – you know, a few plays and it's kind of back to more of the same after, you know, the one good drives that he does have. And so I, I had it in college, I think one year, but most of the, the QB changes my junior year was because of injuries. So that was kind of our issue. But yeah, I, I haven't seen anything quite like it. And But that's just, that's what happens when you're at this point, you've only won two football games. Your quarterbacks have been underwhelming and underperforming. Everything's get, getting thrown on the table. You're trying to find ways to get guys motivated, get them, find a way for them to perform better. So maybe that's where the competition aspect came from is maybe this can get these guys to lock in a little bit more. If we, we're not going to name a starter, we're just going to say whoever performs best the week of practice, that's going to be the guy. But it didn't work this week. We'll see what they do next week. So as someone that played for Bill Belichick for the majority of your career, well, all of your career, yeah. how do you think he's doing right now? I honestly don't know. It's a completely different situation than what I've been a part of, than what he's been a part of, you know, probably ever since probably his first couple of years joining the Patriots. But yeah, it's it's not it's not fun losing. The building is not fun. Showing up to work is not fun. Practice isn't fun when you're losing every single week. The one disappointing year that I was a part of was in 2020. And we, you know, we had one more football game than what they'll probably win. This year, and that wasn't that wasn't fun for me. And now they're like most of the time it's not even competitive. I know it was a close game today for the most part, but offensively they can't get much done. So it's it's hard, man. I don't know where his <laughs> emotions are. I'm sure they're just evaluating everything, even to the core. Like they're probably watching tape a hundred million times, just trying to figure out why guys are going out there and not executing. Defensively, I think it's been fine. They they've played well enough for than to win most games. Just the offense just hasn't done their part. Yep, and it's certainly gonna kill Bill that they lost to the Giants. That's gonna <laughs> sting. Welcome back into Off the Pike. So you just heard our FanDuel TV portrait of the show and talking about Bill and how he's feeling right now with this whole thing. Losing to the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Although Bill did say before the game that this isn't like the old Giants stadium, it's MetLife. And I did see this week like MetLife got Voted one of the worst places to play. Is it a <laughs> shitty stadium, James? Like, I mean, everybody says it's bad. I, I haven't had an issue. I just think a lot of guys have gotten hurt there over the last two, three years. So I think that's why guys have been saying mm-hmm. it's, it's terrible. I mean, I, I played on there quite a few times playing for the Patriots. I never necessarily had a big problem with it. But that's that's the thing, guys. Guys don't like turf. Hey, I mean, if they're if that's what they want to do, I'm all for it. If they think that's going to help them. You know, prevent injuries. Hey, I'm all for it. I, I just never had, you know, a dog in a fight. I, I'm cool with turf. I'm cool with grass, whatever's out there. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. All right, so I want to get to a couple of Bill decisions in this game. So on the second series, they punt from the Giants 37. Now, the one thing I'll say about this is this one may have been justified because we did see Ryland at the end of the game where he yeah. had a chip shot and he pulled it. So <laughs> maybe that was the calculation is, hey, we don't think he's good from 55. So maybe that justifies that decision. Although you could say, too, what was it, fourth and seven, maybe you go yeah. for it. But 
Nah, can you not, justify not, that not with, with the way that your offense, offense is playing? Yeah. <laughs> right. And considering the Giants don't have a good offense, so I guess it does like that one, I guess now, like in the moment, I'm like, really? You're not, you're going to punt this. But now that I think about it, like it may have, based on what we saw from Ryland, they may have made the right decision there. Yeah, I think they made the right decision offensively. When it, when there's third and five plus, they're extremely bad in that situation. Rookie kicker. He's been, you know, on and off this entire year, so you don't want to put him in that spot. You play the field position game, you don't think their offense can move the ball down the field. You back him up, and that's what he's thinking in that situation. All right, so that one I think I'm okay with now. In the moment I wasn't, but after talking it out, I think I'm okay with this one. (laughs) How about in the third quarter, you have a fourth and one, and you're at, what, the 39, your own 39-yard line. So it's a fourth and one, which I'd be willing to go for that. We did see they they ran your play again, James, in this game, where they do the like the quarterback that's going over their head and it's their direct <laughs> snap. They ran that play again, which I don't. Has that play ever not worked? I feel like works, it works, works every, every time. time. Works every time. <laughs> <laughs> and and in the biggest moment. So anyway, they just burn a timeout, right? Like they try to draw them offside. I don't really understand the justification for that one. Like either go for it or just punt it. I would have liked them to go for it, considering. Like, you do have two backs that can pick up yeah. short yardage situations. We already saw that earlier in the game. So I understand not going for it because the Giants aren't great offensively. I personally would like them to go for it, but I don't understand losing a time out there. Like, what are the yeah. odds you're going to draw them off sides based on that formation? Yeah. Once Zappy goes out to, like, out to the <laughs> receiver spot, they know that you're not snapping it, right? Yeah. Like, isn't that, like, the tell? So if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you keep Zappy in the shotgun or under center anyway? Yeah. Maybe they just wanted to... Make them think it was going to be a wildcat situation. I don't think the Giants were going to jump off sides. If you're going to do that, I think hand it off to Zeke, Ramondre. Let those guys power it in for the one or two yards, and they can get it for sure. Yeah, Maybe they just need to be more aggressive in those situations. Maybe that'll give their offense you know, a little bit of a spark. You, get, you go for it on fourth down, you get it. But then again, hey, they may go for it on fourth, get it, and then they'll punt it three plays later at the, at the rate they've been trying to move the ball this year. Yeah, I mean, moving the ball has been an issue all season long. All right, so then I got to get to the end of the game because I want to make sure I'm 100% accurate in this one. So first and 10 at the 50, they take over. Three minutes and 15 seconds left. I don't understand. It felt like they were playing for the field goal the whole time. 100% they were. <laughs> yeah, why? I, I don't understand that. Like, you have a chance, at least try to score, right? Like, it's you have it's 50 yards. It's not like you have to go the length of the field. You're not backed up. And I get it. You don't trust your quarterback, right? I mean, you didn't trust the first quarterback. You don't trust the second quarterback. But still, even if you just kick the field goal, right, say Ryland hits that, and that's what – I mean, he should have hit it. He's a professional kicker. It should be 10-10. You should go into overtime. I get all that. But why not try to win the game? You have two wins on the season. And look, from my perspective, as I mentioned off the top, I'm happy that they lost. It helps the draft pick and all that. But if I am legitimately trying to win the game, why aren't I trying to win the game? Why am I playing for overtime? You may lose the game in overtime anyway. Like, you may not get a better situation than the one you did there, taking over at the 50-yard line, right? So why not go for it? Like, they took forever to snap the ball. They weren't using their timeouts. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I, I just don't understand the justification for, that's I, that to me is, like, soft. Like, yeah. why not try? Yeah, I thought they should have been more aggressive, but it's just a lack of trust and belief in their passing game, which is... I don't blame them. When the ball goes, you know, 10 yard plus down the field, especially today, it didn't go well. So most of it was just five yards or under passes and a ton of handoffs. 
they were just trying to get a field goal position just because I said they I, I just think Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick, they weren't trying to see a turnover in that situation. They weren't trying to see an interception to end the football game. They wanted to try and get into overtime. You know, maybe they whatever defense goes out first, get a stop, you kick a field goal to win, you play like that or offense. You know, who knows what happened if we would have got ball first. But yeah, I think it's just complete lack of trust in the quarterbacks and the passing game right now. Just guys just seem miserable out there on the offensive side of things. It's like yeah. things just don't go well. Everybody's like, like throwing their head back. Oh, another another turnover. Oh, another three and out. It's just like the the energy's not there. And like I said, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But what we would play teams that were had like the same record as what they had right now, like what we were playing. They go out there and give it their best shot. Like we'd be in a dog fight. Like we end up playing like the Dolphins or like the Bills towards the end of the year before they were good. And they're out there competing. Guys are flying around. The energy's there. Like we're not seeing that from the Patriots. So what do you think that is? Is that the message isn't getting there from the coaching staff, or is it a leadership thing? Because if you think about it, really since I'll go back to 2018, because that's when Tom left and Gronk had retired the previous season. And then Edelman's eventually gone. You're gone after, what, 2021. Then Devin McCourty retired after this season. It feels like from a leadership perspective, the only guy left that's been there, I guess Jonathan Jones is still there, but really Matthew Slater, right? In terms of the guys from the dynastic run. Now, David Andrews is there too. I see him. He's the first guy that has to address the media after every game. I feel bad for him. It's like the same questions. He has to answer them over and over again. And it's just like, Hey, did you feel comfortable where you won't, when you had two quarterbacks working this week? He's like, I, I, I mean, at this point, he doesn't know what to say. Like, what are you supposed to say? Like, hey, he's my, my control, coach. I back yeah. him and all that. But so, what do you think the issue is? Is the message not getting through from the coaching staff, or is that hey, the leadership group that say would deliver the message from the or the the message that needed to be delivered? Like, what do you think the issue is? No, I think the message is being relayed. I think the leaders are trying to get guys going. It's all up to the players themselves. Like, no matter what somebody says to you, no matter what type of motivational speech you get on a day-to-day basis, game-day basis, if you don't want to go out there and put your best foot forward and compete, and you're probably not going to do that. So I think it's up to each individual player. Like, you saw from you saw from the defense early on, like, Jabril was – he was flying around. He was making plays. Yeah. He was – he was flying around making tackles. Just offensively, we didn't see that. Devontae got it going a little bit early on in the game. He had a few catches, had a screen pass where you know he almost broke it for a touchdown. You saw a little bit of the energy there, but you know after that, after halftime, it just you saw no energy in there. I just think it's all about yourself, man. You got to find whatever mode or whatever mindset you got to that gets you going and gets you locked in and wants you go wants you to go out there and compete for four quarters. You got to find that, and especially when you're you're two and eight or two and nine now. You gotta you gotta find any motivation to go out there and compete. Yeah, it feels like there's almost a given. Yeah. As if hey, we're about to lose this game. And I do wonder to your point about when teams used to play you guys, it's like, hey, we can beat the Patriots, yeah, right? Yeah, we can was, beat we can mess beat up their seating in the playoffs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Like there was something on the line in yeah. these games. It's like, well, man, we can't move the ball against the Giants. And another part of that today is sort of What's happening with this team? They're having issues on the sideline today. Juju and Troy Brown are going at it. And we don't know the details yet of why that argument really started. We haven't had any reporting on it yet. And then after that, Juju's like 15 yards away from everybody. This is obviously a guy that came in on a big contract, hasn't performed so far this season, did make a nice catch later on in the game where 
Yeah, fourth down. Uh, Dory Jackson was trying to bait Zappi, and I think he thought Zappi was Mac, and Zappi got it on a little quicker, so he didn't get the interception <laughs> on that one. And Juju ended up coming to the ball and making the reception there. But my point with that is, like, this is the stuff that happens with yeah. bad teams. And it may just be, like, a normal thing that is, yeah. is no big deal. Like, I mean, the famous one is Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien, yeah. right, where they went at it on the sidelines, and it's no big deal. But when the team's losing and the team's on its way to going 2-9, and nine, those things sort of become an issue. I do wonder, too, if part of it was... We saw a ton of Thornton in this game. We saw a ton of Douglas in this game. We saw, obviously, a lot of Parker. Now, we did see more Juju, I felt like, in the second half, but maybe yeah. that was part of it, too. Maybe he, Or maybe it's they're upset with the quarterback play. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. You never know what the exact issue. Probably never get brought up, but that's what happens. Like I said, we start losing football games. Things aren't going right. That's that's just football. Coach is going to get upset. Players are going to get upset. Sometimes guys are going to gonna argue on the sideline between one another. As long as you move forward, move past that, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But when like I said when you're a losing football team, you're not executing. You know, Juju's not playing; he's not getting the ball. I said, yeah, that's that's going to be the result a lot of times. Maybe, you know, maybe his first snap out there, he didn't do the right thing, or he's not you know, going out there competing hard. I I don't know, but yeah, everything's going to get blown up when you're losing football games. All right, I want to get to Tom Brady's comments this week in a little bit because. <laughs> Alex Smith went back on him, which I don't think Alex Smith knew what he was doing when he said that. But anyway, before we get to that, I wanted just to get your overall feeling on Mac, because if you asked me in 2021, hey, what do you think Mac Jones is going to be? I would have said, you know what? He's going to be a solid starter in the NFL. Is he ever going to be a top five to seven, maybe not even a top 10 guy? But I think he could be somewhere between, say, the 11th and the 20th best quarterback in the NFL. And if it's a good year, he can be like the 11th best guy, right? Like, my idea, and look, Kirk Cousins was playing the best football of his career before he went down with the injury yeah. this season, but it, could he get to Kirk Cousins level maybe, which yeah. is like a really solid a starter yeah. in the NFL. I would have been fine with that. That's what I thought. I thought his ceiling was essentially like a good starting quarterback, a guy that could be a solid player for you, and that's what I thought he'd be for the next decade or so. So I just can't believe we're in this position now. Like I understood some of the issues they had last year, and Everything with the Patricia part of it, maybe they didn't have enough weapons. I would still argue they don't have enough weapons now. But at this point, we watch him every week, and he's consistently throwing the ball to the other team. He's throwing into triple coverage. He's making bad decisions, and he's caught. And it's not all on him, but he's yeah. a real big part of the reason that this team is losing games right now. Can you believe that we've gotten to this point with Mac Jones? I honestly can't. Um, being on his team in 2021, playing a few games with him. He's a solid football player, man. He has right head on his shoulders. Not, like I said, not extremely, you know, gifted as far as arm talent and all that, but he knows the game of football. He puts the work in on a day-to-day basis to make sure he's in the right frame of mind and he's prepared and ready to go. And to see where we are two years later is definitely shocking to me. You know, last year didn't help. And then coming into this season, you know, with his third new offensive coordinator, I just felt like he's been trying to push the envelope himself too much when things are not there and that's not his game he's not the quarterback that plays off schedule that can create plays he has to stay in his wheelhouse you know know himself you know read the coverage if you have time you know give people a couple more seconds to get open if they're not there throw it away you can't have the turnovers this football team's not built to play that way they're not an explosive offense that can come back from down 10 14 points or have you know three turnovers and still win a game that's just not who they are. And I think he just hasn't actually, he, he said it 
But when it actually comes down to the actual game, he hasn't done it. And I think that's the problem. And it's hard. Like I said, he's a good dude. And I think he still he still may have an opportunity at some point to become a starter. Maybe not with the Patriots, but it could be somewhere else. And maybe he just needs a fresh start because, man, he just it just seemed like we, – we said it before. It just seemed like he's in his own head. You can see it. When he, when he throws the interceptions, he, he knows. As soon as, he, as soon as he lets it go, he can see it in his face. He's like, 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 like here – here I go again, and everybody's looking at me. But you got to be able to help yourself in those situations. You you know it's a bad a bad idea before you let it go. But you're you're too busy trying to to make something happen when absolutely nothing is there. Like I keep saying, you cannot do that at quarterback. I know. I feel like what somebody should do to him is show him like the highlight of Tom Brady just throwing the ball into the dirt. Yeah. Just, because how many times did he do that throughout his career where there's nobody there and he's just like, okay, it's let, okay. let's get this on third down. Okay. Or, hey, we have to punt here, yeah. but I'm not going to. And that's another thing that Brady, and look, I'm not comparing Mac to the greatest quarterback of all time, but I'm just saying there would be games where you guys would play where the defense would basically call for him throwing the ball five yards for the entire game, right? Just taking what the defense gives you. (laughs) And like these defensive coordinators, they're betting that you won't do that. They're betting that you're eventually going to throw them one, and Tom would never do it. And with Mac, I understand why he's pressing because this offense has been so really, I mean, they can't move, right? They've been, it's been such an issue over the past couple of years, but I feel like what's, he's just forcing it. The other thing I would say is, and I know there's one game where he took a million sacks, but it's almost like he tries to keep every play alive. He won't yeah. give up on a play. And if you juxtapose him his first year here with Josh McDaniels in the offense that they were running, the one thing I'd say about Mac is he was super accurate, right? Yeah. He would put the ball where it needed to be, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes. And now I feel like it's sort of the opposite of that. Even yeah. some of the one of the passes he threw to the sideline today where he just kind of lobbed it, I think yeah. he was looking for Gusecki. I'm yeah. thinking to myself, well, what is he doing? Yeah, a couple of those, it seemed like him and Gusecki, they had a miscommunication, I think, based on the coverage that he was getting. He was expecting Gusecki on both of those to convert his route to a fade, and Gusecki ran out both times. That's where I, that's where I kind of see that being an offense sort of like that. Based on certain coverages, your route's going to change. It seemed like he was expecting him to run a go route, go route and he ran it out, so he just kind of you know, just lobbed it out of bounds, that type of thing. So, yeah, it just seems like he's – the things that he did well his rookie year, all those things have have gone awry. He, like I said, he's trying to go out there and do things that isn't necessarily in his wheelhouse. He just has to get back within himself. The extended plays, like every quarterback can do that to some aspect, but you can't keep every single play. I, I hate even from the guys who can do it when they just extend plays every single time. Like, dude, just, just throw the ball away, especially as a, I guess, a receiver slash running back just – running around for extra six, seven seconds, and you just end up throwing the ball away 15 seconds later. Like, dude, like, come on, let's just <laughs> – we can get on the next play. Like, we don't have to try and hit a home run on first down or, you know, second and ten. Like, you can get it on third down or just take the five yards, man, or go run it and get a, get us a couple yards. So, yeah, it's just something that he has to grow from. Like I said, it, I, mean, I hope he – whether it's with the Patriots or somebody else, I hope he gets the opportunity to, to go out there and, you know – you know, get himself back right because obviously all the fingers are going to get pointed as him, pointed at him, which I say he haven't he has not helped his case in his instance, and I think that's the big thing. I think when the offense doesn't score, he knows everybody's going to look at him and say he's the issue. So I think he's trying to to force things so we can score points, but it's been a bad result most of the time this year. 
Yeah, and I selfishly want to see them, as we've gone over a million times, I want to see them draft a quarterback in the top yeah. three if they end up there. But I wish no ill will on Mac. I hope he yeah. finds success. We've seen it with other quarterbacks in the history of the league, right? Like Ryan Tannehill, not great in Miami. He goes yeah. to Tennessee, and I know he's been benched recently for Will <laughs> Levis, but yes, he had a good years, like three-year yeah. run there where one year he's going to the AFC Championship game. He got into a scheme that made sense for his skill set with Arthur Smith, where his heavy play action, he had A.J. Brown, he had Derrick Henry, like it all worked out for him. So maybe Mac can catch on somewhere similar where there's a lot of good personnel around him. And I mentioned Atlanta before, but that to me seems like, okay, maybe that's a fit if yeah. the Desmond Ritter thing doesn't work out, although they won their game today against Atlanta. That's another team that I think has its own issues. I would be starting yeah. J- or New Orleans. I would be starting Jameis and not Derek Carr anymore, <laughs> at least Jameis can throw the ball. I mean, Derek Carr, this guy. I mean, he, we're talking about Mac making mistakes. Derek Carr, this yeah. guy, he, he's afraid to throw it, man. I, I thought he was going to, you know, have that offense be real explosive. It hasn't, hasn't been great, you know, all year long. It's surprising to me. I thought he was going to be motivated based on how the whole thing with the Raiders ended last year. I thought he was going to get down, get down there and get ready to go, but Hasn't been right so far. I mean, they still have an opportunity to win that division. That division has been bad for the last two years. You can have a losing record and still make the playoffs over there. So maybe he turns the corner the last few weeks and gets it going because he, he could be another one of those quarterbacks. This could be one of your final opportunities to be a starting quarterback in this league. And once you, you lose that sort of title, it's hard, man. You see it with Carson Wentz. You see it with a bunch of other guys. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so – I teased the Brady thing, so I want to pay this off. So Brady was on Stephen A. Smith's podcast earlier this week. Big week for Brady. He was he did the voiceover for the Michigan yeah. Ohio State the yeah. game, which I thought that was pretty cool. So I mean, he's on Instagram too. I don't know where he is. He's vacationing, but he said I spent I used to spend my winters in New England and Michigan. So let me have this. He's like on a boat, yeah. I think with his him. kids or something. So he, he's living life right now. But so that. On Stephen A. Smith's podcast, when he said, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. That I didn't really think was like a controversial comment, but people were pissed about it, including Alex Smith. So Alex Smith comes back. He's all mad about it on ESPN Countdown today. And then he says, Brady played in the most uncompetitive division in NFL history. He goes at not only goes after the Patriots and Brady goes after the division. But before we get to that, let me just say this. Like Alex Smith was also like pointing out he just played last year. That's what everybody was saying. Chris Mad Dog Russo on with Stephen A. Smith. He said, hey, he just played last year. Why wasn't he saying these things last year? He said it two years ago. He said, I feel like they penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes. Like this is his whole thing. And if you actually like listen to the full quote, what Brady's saying is he used to not throw the ball over the middle because he knew Ray Lewis was going to be there or he knew somebody was going to hit his receiver, right? So he would protect his guy. And he, his point is that quarterbacks now get rewarded for putting their receivers in bad positions. And everybody has just taken it out of context and looked at what he said about there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. And look, you can go back. If you look at Brady's early career, like look at his completion percentage and stuff. It's nowhere near where it was at the end because the league was totally different. And I think that's Brady's point is defensive players have all these things they have to avoid nowadays. We've talked about it like with some of the defensive linemen where they can't like land on the quarterback. Like what the hell are you supposed to do? So that was Brady's point. And I I can understand where he's coming from, right? Because he thinks that now some quarterbacks are putting their receivers in bad positions. But what I won't stand for, James, is just, <laughs> and look, I get it. It wasn't the best division in the world. But so there's this Twitter account, TB12 Stats. And basically it just, it, 
puts out videos of Tom all the time. But <laughs> you can look this up on Pro Football Reference, too, to look at the records. So if you look at Tom Brady's record against non-AFC East teams, right? Because Alex Smith's point is, oh, Tom dominated because he played in the AFC East. Well, I mean, it's not a coincidence he won six or seven of the Lombardi Trophy, six with the <laughs> Patriots, but I guess six when he was in the AFC East. Tom Brady against non-AFC East teams, 195 and 73, that's a 728 winning percentage. <laughs> Career winning percentage of other quarterbacks, Montana 711, Manning 685, Rogers 649. So Brady's better than every other quarterback in NFL <laughs> history against non-AFC East teams. <laughs> so I don't know if this is something like, I'll be honest, and this is nothing against Alex Smith. I know he's gone through a lot in terms of the injury that he had to his leg where he almost lost his leg. So I got nothing respect for the guy. I didn't know that he was on NFL Countdown until today. <laughs> until he, like I, I don't usually watch that show. I like to watch my guys on the Wise Guys on the FanDuel TV show. I didn't know he was on the show. So when he made this comment, I'm like, does he does he hate Tom or something? Like I don't know, or is he just trying to get attention? Like I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't understand. You know that comment. No matter what division you're in, every game in the NFL is hard to win. No matter how bad or good the teams are in it, and you still have to go through the playoffs and beat good football teams to to make it to a Super right. Bowl and to win a Super Bowl. He's one of the most winningest quarterbacks ever. And no matter what division he was in, the guy was gonna win. You know the the, the pair with him and Belichick it was. Literally unstoppable. But, you know, Thomas, right, I think there is a lot of mediocrity in the game right now. It's definitely an offensive-driven league with all the penalties. It's almost impossible to play defense. You got to think before you're going out there making a sack. You got to think before you hit a receiver across the middle. And it's heavily favored and catered towards the offense. And to me, a big part of it is from the college game. I feel like these college coaches are doing these kids a disservice. They're not preparing them the right way for the transition to the NFL. And I, like my last year with the Patriots, you can see it. The guys coming in, they learned it takes them a little bit longer to get it going, to learn the the speed and the process and then the, to pick up the actual language of, you know, NFL offenses and defenses. And it, it really shows, you know, <laughs> you know, every single year, I think these coaches on the college level have to do a better job preparing these players. And I think that will help that mediocrity that Tom is feeling. Yeah. So I, I understand what, Brady saying, and I, I just feel like Alex Smith out of bounds, man. You don't take shots at the goat, okay? You don't take shots at the goat. He was just trying to take a different perspective. I, I understand what he's he's trying to say, but no, I mean, it's hard to win this league regardless of what you can't control the division you're in. Like, what, what do you want to do? Yeah. Just like, <laughs> like, oh, this division, Stupid. this division's not good. I got to go somewhere else. I'm like, there's other bad, there's worse divisions than <laughs> AFC East by far. Over yeah, the last and by years. the way, he said this when Rex Ryan was on set. Yeah. He said they had some of the worst coaches in the history of the, the NFL. Yeah. It's like, Rex is like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, every, everybody up there playing the AFC East at some point, Randy and everybody. So. Yeah, I did think that, that was funny. And the other thing I would say is like, I don't know why people don't realize like this is something Tom's been saying for years. He was saying this when he was on the box. This isn't new. This is something he's been saying for a while. And Stephen A. Smith just was talking about it. So he brought it up again and everybody doesn't realize he said this couple of years ago, we had these song, same conversations a couple of years ago when Tom actually made these comments. All right. So, James, before I let you go, I got to ask you about have you there's been wild finishes in that Auburn, Alabama rivalry, right? <laughs> but man, I cannot believe Al, and I'm happy because not that I'm an Alabama fan. I'm happy that happened because next week, at least the SEC championship, like there's more on the line because yeah. if Alabama wins now and look, they played terrible against Auburn. But weird things happen, rivalry games and all that. 
But now we actually have something at stake. But that I don't know how that happens. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you work for the Big Ten Network, so you know all the rules. But if that's an interference, too, like it doesn't go right to the one yard line, right? No, it doesn't. So you might as he well, might just as well put, tackle him. He could have just grabbed him. <laughs> yeah. Might as well tackle him. But yeah, it was the let they they had the right defense call. They had three safeties back there and everybody else man-to-man coverage. Maybe they should have rushed three instead of two people. But the safety who was in the left corner, I don't know what he was doing. He started somebody who lined up on the left side of the field, ran like towards the middle into like towards the right pylon. He just booked it to the middle of the field. He just left the the corner out to dry. So it never should have been one-on-one in that situation. That guy should have been double teamed and or even if the corner, just go tackle the guy, do anything to make sure that guy doesn't catch the ball. It's, it was crazy. I, I was in my group chat text. I was like, oh, Bama's about to lose. And then like my one of my friends' TVs, it was like a little head of mine. He's like, no, nah, Auburn blew it. I was like, what? And then I saw the play a couple seconds later. I'm like, that's insane. Like, college football is crazy. You see something wild yeah. every single week, and some teams just really aren't good in situational football, like some teams in the NFL. It's, it's tough. And that, was, that was a dime from the quarterback. Though. That was a good throw. Yeah, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy in Hugh Freeze. Sad to see his team lose. <laughs> uh, but the, the Big Ten game was awesome. Michigan yeah. and Ohio State lived up to it. The only thing I don't like about the Big Ten, James, and obviously you're a Big Ten guy, I don't like that we can't get that again, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I like that some of these other conferences, ne- and look, now year. we're going into super conferences where you get the rematch, right? Ne- where, next, next year you can get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Next year yeah, that no, will be awesome. Yeah. No more, no more divisions. Like, okay. yeah. <laughs> no more Michigan's the top two teams. Iowa, yeah. like that, even the Pac-12 adjusted. So the two big games next week. Who do you like? So you got the rematch of Washington against Oregon. I like Oregon, Oregon in that yeah. game. I think I like, they're the better team, man. I they let that. I feel like they at least have a defense. Washington yeah. doesn't have a defense, and I like Penix a lot. We've talked about him. And then the other game, Alabama versus Georgia. I just I. I know Alabama didn't look good. I kind of feel like they're going to pull off an upset. I, I like Jalen Milrow and yeah. Georgia also. They, now they picked it up, but they didn't yeah. look great in that game the other day either. I don't think this Georgia team is as good as the team as we saw yes. last year. So I'm going with the upset in that game. And I don't even know what the line is yet on Oregon yeah. and Washington, but I like Oregon to win that yeah. game. And then so Oregon, like, I don't know what's going to happen because Florida State, um, they're a team, too, that, I mean, now that they don't have they're Travis the rest of the season, they're in trouble. And you look at it, too, that game, what was the final score of that game last night against Florida? 24-15. It was, yeah. yeah, it was not an impressive win. Yeah. And you felt like they were down, what, 12 nothing in that <coughs> yeah. game. Jordan, early on. Georgia didn't that's win. A t- like, do you keep them in the playoff if Oregon beats Washington? Nah. I, I, I don't know. And what if, how about this? What if Alabama... Like barely beats Georgia, Georgia yeah, by a did. field goal or something or a point. Do you put Georgia in? Because yeah. two years ago we had Georgia in. It's it's going to be a lot of question marks. I like Oregon over Washington. I think Washington has taken a step back like the last three weeks. Their defense can't stop anything. Penix just took a sort of a, a step back too. It'll be a good football game. Alabama, Georgia. I'm, I like Alabama too. Milrow, the kid, he's, he's grown ever since those first few weeks of the season. The dude, the way he runs the ball, he runs it like a running back, and he can he can flick the ball pretty accurately. Too, he's got much better as a passer. You know, as the year has gone on, and I said I think they're they're always going to be dangerous. Anytime you see an Alabama team, SC championship or college football playoff, you can't count that team out. And it's 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 going to be tough if if Alabama beats Georgia. I feel like Georgia probably still ends up 
getting in the college football playoff. But I don't, I don't know. Alabama and Georgia probably end up in there somehow. You know, they, they're going to find any way to try and get two SEC teams in there. That's just a nuclear of the beast. But it's yeah. It's and then, hard. like, Texas is, Texas beat Bama. Yeah. So, if Texas wins the Big 12, <laughs> can you put Georgia in? If Bama beat Georgia, could you put Georgia in if Texas beat Bama? Yeah. You know, and, look, Bama was a different team yeah, back then. They, point, weren't as, yeah. they weren't clearly as good. But, man, it's – I I hope there's controversy yeah. for this. It's like, good. That's, that's my one hope. It's good. And that's why they're doing the 12-team playoff next year, which would be kind of insane. I feel like there'll be a lot of upsets when you get to a 12-team playoff. It's going to be interesting, though. All right. That is three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, enjoy the conference championship games next week. And I would say enjoy the Patriots game next week, but I don't think we're going to do that. But we will talk to you after the Pats next week. All right. Have a good one. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. All right, I'm looking at this Vikings and Bears game coming up on Monday Night Football. I like the Vikings to cover the three points. Josh Dobbs over 34 and a half rushing yards and Hawkinson for 40 receiving yards. That's an alternate line. Plus 277 for that. So Vikings to cover the three. Dobbs over 34 and a half rushing yards and Hawkinson for 40 receiving yards. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet. There's live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new explore tab, dive into the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Pike and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus in president select states. $5 $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Great stuff there from James White. As always, always enjoy chatting with James. Had to mix in a little college football tonight because the Patriots stuff, man. That'll make you sad. But I stand by what I said at the top with James. Major victory for the Patriots tonight, okay? And we'll go through our suckathon later on when we bring in Jamie McClellan because this is a good day for the Patriots in terms of the long-term future of the organization. I am pumped up about that. But let's get to the Celtics because, of course, they had that difficult loss on Friday to Orlando, and then we're recording right after they beat the Hawks tonight, which was a more impressive showing for the Celtics. But I'm kind of upset that they're not really going to be in this in-season tournament situation going forward now, right? Because essentially, you're going to have to blow out the Bulls to win this thing. You're going to need Brooklyn to beat Toronto, and then you have to win the tiebreaker, right? So it's really a tough situation to see the Celtics even making it into the in-season tournament, especially considering, too, the fact that you already, of course, lost to Orlando. But the wildcard teams here, the Knicks are plus 18, the Heat are plus 11, the Cavs are plus 6, and the Nets are plus 6. So I just don't see the Celtics making it into this thing. There's all sort of scenarios to get in. They're all long shots, so it's not worth me going through all of it. But not that I was super invested in the in-season tournament before the season started. But after watching it, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, I want the Celtics to actually be in this thing. I want the Celtics actually to go to Vegas. And unfortunately, they lost that game to Orlando on Friday afternoon and you had no Drew Holiday, of course. He didn't have Drew Holiday against Atlanta either in this game tonight. And Kristaps Porzingis left the game. And so I understand that that was a difficult game. Like if you told me before the game, hey, you're not going to have Drew and Kristaps is going to leave. 
all right, you could possibly see that as a loss. I'm not saying it's awful to lose to the Magic. The Magic right now are the second best team in the Eastern Conference. But it's just one of those things in that game on Friday, and I'll get into this game in a second here. One of the things that stuck out to me is, and maybe you disagree with me on this, I tweeted it out. I felt like this is the one game this year where I could point to it and say, you know who they kind of miss right now? Grant Williams, right? And look, if Drew Holiday was healthy, that would have been great. If Porzingis could have finished the game, that would have been great. But think about late in that game, and we saw the Celtics make a change tonight, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But late in that game, they just kept going after Cornette, right? Paolo or Wagner would get Cornette in a switch, and they would just take advantage of that, right? They were picking on Luke Cornette. And last season, you had the luxury of, hey, Grant Williams can switch, right? He has this switchability. And I'm not telling you that Grant can just shut down Paolo or shut down Wagner, but he's got a much better chance at doing that than, say, hypothetically, or not hypothetically, what we saw on the court on Friday, a guy like Luke Cornette. And the one thing the Celtics could have done is they could have kept Grant Williams. Now, maybe they just wanted to move on sort of like the smart situation where Grant had, he was friends with Joe, and then it was sort of a weird situation where he's in and out of the rotation last year. But you're already a second apron team. And look, the unfortunate part for the Celtics is they didn't know that Damian Lillard was going to get traded to Milwaukee and they were going to have the ability to bring in Drew Holiday. So they thought their roster was essentially finished. Now, they could have tweaked things eventually, but they thought their roster after the Porzingis trade and getting Jalen signed long-term, like that was the team. So they were willing to lose Grant. But if you know you're getting Drew and you're going to be a second apron team, like the reason you don't bring Grant back and Grant goes to Dallas, maybe you just didn't want him back. But the other portion of that is financially, right? You're not a second apron team. And if you're already going to be a second apron team, you would have just liked to have Grant around. And I just think that, look, Grant's having a really good season in Dallas, doing his thing, hitting corner threes, all that different type of stuff. And he clearly wanted a bigger role. But that was the one game where I'm like, ah, you know who would have helped in this game? Grant Williams. And I know Grant annoys everybody in the fan base, but that's the one game that I pointed to this season. And I'm like, you know who I would like to see out here right now? Grant Williams. Also, I would have liked to see Drew Holiday, but unfortunately, he's dealing with this ankle situation. All right. So I did want to get into this game a little bit tonight because I thought this is a perfect team to play after that Orlando loss. And by the way, just one more thing on Orlando. I want no part of that team in a playoff series. No part of them. Just because... They're long, they're rangy, they can defend. Paolo's a beast. Wagner's a really good player. Mo Wagner was outstanding in that game. Like, what the hell was that? The guy was all over the offensive boards. Suggs is a problem defensively. He gets into people. He kind of annoys you. They don't even have Fultz right now. They don't have Wendell Carter. Like, that team's really good. And if they want to, they can make a move if they want to say, hey, if they want to add shooting at the deadline. So and I'm not saying I think that I believe the Celtics would beat them at a series. Right. And that's a one off situation. But that's a team that the Celtics were one and three against last year. And I know there were situations where guys were in and out of the lineup. But my point with that is that's just not a fun team to play. A team that's super big, super long, kind of like the Celtics. That's not the team you would like to play if you're looking outside, because to me, you look at, say, Philly and Milwaukee as like the two biggest threats in the East, along with Miami, like outside of that group. And I know Indiana likes to get up and down the floor with Halliburton. And I know they've been outstanding. Maybe I'll regret this. I'd rather play them than Orlando just because of the way Orlando defends. Like Indiana is a real bad defensive team. And when I look at a team like the Cavaliers, I don't think they have the horses to defend the Celtics like Orlando does. So sort of in the Hawks, we saw that series last year, the Celtics should have won quicker than six games, but that's another team like we saw this tonight. I don't think Atlanta can match up well with the Celtics. So out of that top tier group, and look, who knows where the Magic finish off this season, that's the team that I would like to avoid. But anyway, 
this is a good team to play after Orlando because you go from a premier defense in the NBA in the Magic to the 25th, the 25th ranked defense in the NBA in Atlanta. Now, in that Charlotte game, or excuse me, in that Orlando game, the Celtics had just a 78.3 offensive rating in the third and an 84.6 in the fourth, which is horrible. Portland's the league's worst offense at 105.2. So the Celtics are under 85 in both the third and the fourth quarters. And like I said, I get it. There's injuries, but you could tell that Orlando kind of gave you problems, which it made total sense where tonight, this is the perfect team to play. Although the Celtics offensively, despite the win, and they did some things really well, they weren't great offensively. Just a 114.1 offensive rating. That would be outside of the top 10. And the Celtics standard is being a top 10 offense, really being a top five offense. And they haven't been that for a while. If you go to the previous six games the Celtics played, five of six were difficult. You, you know, you went on the road, not to say all of them were difficult, but you went on the road. Celtics still went four and two on that stretch where they played five of six on the road, including a win over Philly. But the half court offense, this is via cleaning the glass during that stretch, just a 97 rating, which would have been 16th in the NBA during that stretch. The previous 10 games, they had a 102.8 offensive rating in the half court, which would have been third best in the NBA or was third best through their first 10 games. Now, one thing they did well in this game on Sunday night is the offensive rebounds. 18 in this game. By the way, Kata had six. We'll get into him. The Jazz lead the league at 15. So they were three better than the best team in the NBA. The Celtics don't do this very well. We thought it was going to be part of their ethos early on this season when we noticed Al was crashing from the corner. Pritchard does it all the time. But the Celtics just 22nd in offensive rebounds per game. So they did a much better job at that tonight. But just looking at the offense, I still feel like if you look at the last six games prior to tonight, a 110.9 offensive rating, which is 21st in the NBA during this stretch, a little bit better tonight, as we mentioned at 114, still not elite. The three-point shooting has fallen to 34.7% during that six-game stretch, which is 21st. And tonight, you still didn't shoot the ball well from three, 27.7%. And it was basically two guys hitting the threes, right? Tatum hit five, Hauser hit four. And if you look at the first 10 games of the season, the Celtics were at 36.9% from deep, which was the eighth best compared to 34.7% in the previous six to tonight. The offensive rating through the first 10 was 119.5, third best compared to that 110.9, which is 21st. So right now, the offense is in a little bit of a rut. Now, no Porzingis for the second game. He left the Orlando game. No Drew for the second full game. So Obviously, that's part of it, too, but it just feels like right now the offense has been a little bit stuck in the mud. Now, I will get to the defense because they were good on that end for the majority of the night. I will say this, though. This one, to me, is puzzling. I don't know what's going on with this team in the third quarter. And look, this is a really, really good basketball team. <laughs> this is the best team in the NBA right now. But the third quarter thing is just sort of perplexing to me. The Celtics were again outscored in the third quarter, this time 29 to 21. They entered tonight with a 103 offensive rating in the third quarter. The Celtics did. That's 29th in the NBA. The only team with a worse third quarter offensive rating than the Celtics, your San Antonio Spurs, who are a dumpster fire. They don't even play a real point guard with their guy that they drafted number one overall, Wemby. They don't even play a real point guard. Like Popovich has lost it. He's doing his best Belichick right now. But my point with that is tonight it's at 87.5. It's even worse than they've been lately. They are 29th in field goal percentage in the third quarter tonight. They were even worse, 36.8%. From three, they're 32% in the third, 25th. Tonight, they're two of 10, which is, what, 20%, obviously. 
So I don't know what's going on. They've been outscored this season in the third quarter. And in the first quarter, the best team in the NBA, plus 98. In the third quarter, they've been outscored. So this is just a weird one to me. There's other things I can kind of say, okay, this is why this isn't going well, or this is why they don't do this well, or this is why they do this really well. This is why they excel in this specific area. The third quarter thing, I don't understand it. Like, do they need to get new snacks at halftime? Do they need to get maybe switch from Gatorade to Powerade or vice versa or just drink regular water instead of Propel? I don't know. Okay, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe have a C4 at halftime. I, something, whatever it is, they got to figure out this third quarter shit because I, I just can't put my finger around it. I don't get it. It's like they're not ready to go. All right. The defense, really good performance. They held the Hawks to a 104 offensive rating, their lowest of the season. Now, they gave up 53 three-point attempts, and they hit 19 of them. But the Hawks were 17 of 35 on twos, which is 48.6%. The only team south of 49% this season is the Knicks. So basically, you made them worse than the worst two-point shooting team in the NBA. The other thing is, they took a ton of above-the-break threes. So the non-corner threes, they took 47 of them. They shot 34%. This is one thing the Celtics are doing. They give up the third most above-the-break threes per game in the NBA. They have been fine giving up those shots, right? Now, they were burned in their previous six games prior to tonight. Teams were shooting 37.8% on above-the-break threes prior to this game tonight, in the last six games. And they were hitting them at a big rate. When you're giving up that number of threes, above the break threes, at the third highest rate in the league, and a team's hitting almost 38%, that's a bad number. The previous 10 games, teams were only hitting 33.4%. So what we saw tonight, that sort of that 34% is similar to where you're at the first 10 games. So this, to me, is something they're going to continue to do. They're going to try to take away the rim. They're going to try to take away their corner threes. You can take above the break threes. This is what the Bucs used to do with Mike Budenholzer. So this is sort of a strategy that the Celtics have clearly embraced this season. So they're going to continue to gamble there. The big thing is they held Atlanta to just nine shots in the restricted area, which is fucking unheard of. Golden State takes the fewest in the NBA at 19.5. Atlanta took nine. They also, and this is something the Celtics have done well all season, they kept Atlanta off the free throw line, just 19 free throws. Only San Antonio is south of 19 on the season. So basically, 2019, 29 teams rather take more free throws than Atlanta did tonight. And they also forced, like they hit, they were 0 of 7 from mid-range. So the math game, the Celtics, it feels like they're going to continue to play that. So that was a good thing from a defensive perspective. The one thing I didn't like from a defensive perspective is sometimes you got to adjust to certain players. And we didn't see this until late in the game when they brought Al Horford back in, but Trey Young had already hit five threes and he just walks in. He gets us, he's, Hauser is covering him. He gets a screen and Kate is all the way back. And this is not Kate's fault. This is clearly what he's coached to do. He's all the way back in the paint, essentially. And Trey Young walks into a wide open three. The same thing happened with Bogdanovich, right? So you can live like the final numbers on this, the above the break threes. It proves out that the Celtics were right in terms of the philosophy in the game. But you can't let those guys burn you like that. That's just something that cannot happen. And eventually, nice move bringing Al Horford back in the game, who was outstanding. You start to switch out onto Trey. And it's much better. And Al actually got a nice block on him late in the game. So to me, that's if I if I had a bone to pick about how the Celtics played defensively, because the numbers are outstanding and the math worked out, the gamble worked out, let them take all the above the break threes that they want. It's that it's you can't let Trey Young walk into open threes. All right. The other thing I noticed bounce back night for Tatum from deep five of 13, which is what, 38.5 percent. His previous 
five games, he was at just 28.2%, 11 to 39. And his first 11, he was 39 to 98, 39.8%. So I chalked this up to just a shooting slumpy ad. And I think Tatum will be back in terms of, we saw it in this game tonight. The big thing for me about Tatum though, he was awesome going after mismatches. He also got to the free throw line. He was seven of 10 there, which that's a note. That's an interesting note. So he's seven of 10. He's shooting a career worse from the line. Entered tonight just north of 81%. Last year, 85.4%. Not that that's bad, just north of 81%, but just something to keep your eye on. He's missing more free throws than he has ever in his career. But in terms of just like going after mismatches, I thought that was clearly something that he was doing all night long where he... First of all, he was going after Trey Young. They were getting him switch Trey switched on to Jason Tatum. He was calling him up in the action and he was getting open opportunities out of that. And then even later on in the game, I thought he did a really good job going after a Kongwu. So that's something. And even he started off really fast, 10 points, four assists in that first quarter. That's something you love to see is, all right, I've been slumping in terms of my shooting. Let me go after mismatches. And that opened up his three point game. It opened up his drive game as well. Which another thing is, he went right around Griffin to get to the bucket, hit a layup, made it 48-36 at the time. And that's one thing that I was looking at. If you look at his drive game, I'd like to actually see him do that more. He has a, entering tonight, obviously, this is not calculated after tonight's game. 128 points on 139 drives, 92.1% in terms of the point percentage. Only Embiid has a better point percentage of players with at least 125 drives. So I just think that is something that... You would like to see him do more because he's done a really good job finishing at the basket and his drive game is really good, especially when he gets a mismatch on it because he's just so much stronger than most of the guys that defend him. His passing was really good tonight. I mentioned the early assist, but he brought up Trey in the action and then they had to double him. So he found Hauser for an open three. There was another pass he threw that was unbelievable. He was on the left wing. He threw it all the way to the right corner. Al had a catch and shoot three. He decided to drive. He scored, but he decided to drive and... That was a pass where I don't know if Tatum has that pass even last year. So I thought that was impressive to see him make that pass where not many guys can make that left wing to the right corner pass or the right wing to the left corner pass. Like that's a really difficult pass to make. And Tatum did a really good job there. So nice bounce back from Tatum. Biggest things. I like the fact that he's getting to the free throw line in this game tonight and the fact that his three point shooting was better. And he really set the table early in this game. The other thing I thought was a really good, quiet Derek White game. (laughs) Like, you look at the end of the game, he's a plus 29 in 37 minutes. He entered the game ninth in plus minus, and he missed three games. So he's ninth in the NBA, entering tonight in plus minus, even though he's missed three games this season. But plus 29 in 37 minutes is almost impossible. Now, he didn't even hit a three. He's 0 of 6 from deep, but he has 15 points. He has 11 assists. The Celtics are now outscoring teams by 12.3 points per 100 with Derek White on the floor. That's in the 94th percentile via cleaning the glass. I thought early on in this game, he backed down Trey. Nice bucket there. And one off an Al rebound. He had a pull up two. He ran in transition, got to the foul line, made it 66-50. But this is what makes Derek White a special player. A game that I quite frankly like watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, Derek White, typical game. And you look up, you're like, plus 29. He just sort of does whatever the game dictates, right? There's going to be games where he hits a bunch of threes. But in this game tonight, he knew with Drew Holiday out of the lineup as well that he was going to have to help out Tatum with the playmaking duties, if you will. And he was really good in this game with the 11 assists. All right, Keita, I loved his activity in this game. He finishes with seven points and 10 rebounds. Six of those offensive, we told you how important those offensive rebounds were, really brought energy. He played 15 minutes compared to Cornette, who played just nine, okay? 
he is an experience. I'll say that. Like he hit that lefty hook. He didn't early in the game. He didn't jump for two lobs. Like he got a, a lob from Jalen and he got a lob from Tatum and he didn't jump. I don't know what he was doing, but he got an offensive rebound for an and one. He got an offensive rebound around a Kongwu and then threw it up over a Kongwu and scored on him. So he was active tonight. I mean, it's nice to see, right, where this guy coming off the bench, like Cornette, he had the points in that game against Orlando, the 12 points, but I thought he was sort of abused defensively. And Kata was late in this game, too, before they got Al back in, where they would just basically put him in all the action. But I do like his activity level. Missoula said after the game, they needed to get back to get going after the offensive rebounds. He got six of them. I mean, he was outstanding for the Celtics. So one of these random regular season games, like six o'clock on a Sunday night, you need guys like that, right? I thought Cato was really good for this team. I thought Al was awesome. Plus 17, 15 boards, 15, 15 boards for Al Horford, right? Nice pass early in this game where he found Jalen for a cut. That's something I think Jalen can dig into even more because he's such a dangerous cutter. But he got an offensive rebound, then found Derek White for that and one I referenced. He had a steal on DeJounte Murray, which was awesome. And then the big play for him is the block on Trey, where he switched on to him late in the game. So a nice Al game. And I've been on this for a while now. I really think that Al has been a lot better since that Philly game, where he's a really slow start. And I attribute a lot of that of adjusting to the new role, coming off the bench, not really being a bench guy throughout your career, obviously. I mean, he's an all-NBA performer in the past. He's been a great player. He's been an all-star and all that. So I think he's sort of now comfortable in the role that he has. Hey, if I have to start, I can, but I'm also comfortable in my role coming off the bench as well. And then Hauser, man, his shooting shows up again. He had four threes, plus 11 in this game behind only White now. Early on, Kansan opened three. Then he cans another three later on in the game in the third quarter, the Clay Thompson one, which I love, where he basically catches at his forehead, barely brings it down, and it's right up. That quick release, like, try to do that. Go outside and try to do that. That, that is so difficult to do. To be able to just catch that, like, in your face area, barely bring it down at all and shoot it back up. It's just, I, I don't know how he does it. I mean, Clay's one of the greatest shooters in the history of the sport, so you understand why he does it. But Hauser's been outstanding for this team. He had two more threes after that. He entered tonight sixth in catch and shoot threes in terms of makes. All the guys ahead of him have taken more. He's 45.9% on catch and shoot threes. Fifth and three-point makes per 36. So just keep shooting. I mean, he's been awesome for this team. So just to run through some of the offensive numbers, because I think what we saw tonight is the defense picked up, which is awesome to see. And by the way, Jalen had 21 points too. I thought he played pretty well in this game, especially early in the first quarter, kind of got the offense going. But all in all, I thought defense was good, which was clearly an emphasis in this game from Joe Mazzulla and company as they wanted to be better defensively. Clearly an emphasis was the offensive rebound. They rebounding, they went up to that. Part of that is putting Kata in the lineup. And we saw Al doing the same thing with his three offensive rebounds. But the offense is in a little bit of a funk right now, despite the win in this game tonight. We told you the numbers were not good. If you look at the Celtics top eight in three-point shooting entering this game, there's 157 qualifiers in the NBA. Hauser's 20th at 44.8%. White 39th at 41.1%. He did not have a good night. Tatum, 36.5%, 92nd. He was much better tonight. Al, 118th at 34.7. Jalen, 119th at 34.6. He did not have a great shooting night. Holiday, 128th at 33.8%. Porzingis, 32.4% at 137th. By the way, Porzingis is under 30% since the first game of the season when he went 5 for 8. And Pritchard, he has been trending in the right direction, hit a deep one tonight, 32.1%, 140th. That's part of the reason that his numbers are so bad is... It really took him two weeks to hit a shot. So the thing is, they are generating 
17.9 open threes per game when the closest defender was between four and six feet. So my thing is this. I want them to keep taking a lot of threes because a lot of these threes by the closest defender being four to six feet away, that tells you these are good threes. And a lot of these guys are good shooters. I expect Tatum to be, as I mentioned, over 38% from the season. I expect those numbers for Pritchard to go up throughout the season as well. I expect Al's numbers are going to be getting better throughout the season. The one guy I'm surprised with in terms of the three-point shooting because he's been so great for this team and he shot north of 37% last year is Porzingis. And we know he's dealing with the calf situation right now and Holiday, right? Holiday has basically been between 39 and 41% for his previous three seasons. So if those guys get going, we'll see this number, these numbers as a team go up. Like a lot of this is, and I know this sounds corny to say, they're just missing good shots. They are. But the thing that I'll say is I love that the fact that they take a lot of threes, like that's what the math tells you to do. But I do think they can be more aggressive getting to the free throw line with their drive game and getting into the restricted area. So if you look at it on the season, they're 28th in drives per game, despite being 11th in field goal percentage. Right now in the restricted area, they're taking just 24.4. That's that little circle, which is 22nd in the NBA. So they're 22nd in the NBA in attempts in the restricted area. Tonight, they're at 23, which is worse than their average. And they're shooting 69.3% when they get there, fifth. So I think the drive game should tick up and they should get into the restricted area more. And I will say, I thought Tatum did a much better job driving in this game tonight. The free throws, 22 attempts on the season, 18th, just 20 tonight. And half of them are for one guy, Jason Tatum, and another five from one guy in Derek White. And I understand you don't have Porzingis, who's at 5.3 a game, which is 26. But I just think they can do a better job getting to the free throw line when you need these easier baskets, right? When your shots aren't falling, get to the free throw line, get your drive game going, get into the restricted air, right? Because I do feel like despite the fact that they're significantly more talented than they were a year ago, one thing that Brogdon did do coming off the bench, and like obviously Drew is a significantly better player than Brogdon, especially considering how great he is defensively, but Brogdon did get to the basket, and he he was a bad finisher, but he got to the basket. Like you knew when he was coming in, he puts pressure on the basket. I'm not saying I miss Brogdon as a player, but I do think the Celtics have to do a better job getting to the basket, because I do eventually believe like, this may not even be a conversation a couple of weeks from now if the three-point shooting ticks up. But as we've seen, you are going to go through these struggles. We saw it last year. We saw it last year in the playoffs. I just, my hope is that they can get their drive game to tick up a little bit, and that'll create more attempts at the restricted area, and it will also create more attempts at the free throw line. And I think Jason Tatum took that to heart tonight when we saw him being more aggressive as a driver and getting to the free throw line. All right, so I am kind of bummed out about the no in-season tournament, but... I guess we'll have to wait till next year. Like, I kind of am pissed about this now, but we'll wait till next year, okay, people? All right, a lot more to get into. Coming up next, we'll bring in Jamie McClellan. We'll get to our bets from the week, and we'll get Jamie's thought on the Pats as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Before we bring in Jamie McClellan, let's get to a call. That number is 617-396-7172. Hey, Brian, this is Patty. I grew up in Springfield, but I live in Brooklyn, New York now, and I just uh, watched the Patriots heroically lose to the Giants once again. And I got to tell you, I'm walking home. I saw a guy in a Tom Brady jersey and high-fived him because we did it again. We're the, we're the best. Bill Belichick is the best at winning championships, and he's the best at tanking. And maybe, just maybe, that's what, you know, bringing Mac Jones back and signing Juju Smith-Schuster and all the others. Maybe Bill knew that we were going to tank this season and get a great draft pick next year. But I'll tell you, all the Giants fans look pretty bummed out. And as a Pats fan, I'm excited because we're, 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 we're coming back, baby. Thanks again, Brian. Keep up the good work. Bye. It's a great point on the Giants. If you're a Giants fan, you should be pissed off. By the way, if you want to leave us a voicemail, that number 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts to offthepike at gmail.com. We'll bring in Jamie McClellan. But just piggybacking off what he said, Jamie, there is, I agree. If you're a Giants fan... You should be pissed. Like, this is a major win for the Patriots. One of my brothers was over watching the game, and I was going nuts after they missed the field goal, right? And I'm like, yes, they lost. Let's go. Because now the Giants, you're stuck. Maybe you're stuck with Daniel Jones. Maybe you take a quarterback, but the Patriots in much better position. Now, the one thing I disagree with there, Bill is not trying to tank. Bill is trying to win, and he's just failing at winning. The team has completely fallen apart, but it actually has worked out in the Patriots' favor, where now they're in a position where they could draft the next quarterback, if you will. But I totally agree. Going down the street, you see a Giants fan, you give him a high five, you celebrate. Like, from a Patriots perspective, I said this on the last pod we did. This is the biggest game the Patriots have played since the Super Bowl against the Rams. <laughs> he did say And that. they won. You know what I was worried about, Jamie? I'll tell you this, watching that game, that? when Ryland's going up there for that chip shot, what was it, 35 yards or whatever? I'm yep. like, you know what? We're going to have to watch fucking overtime. <laughs> this game, the last thing that this game needs is overtime. I don't want to see overtime at all during this game. So luckily, the Patriots and, man, I just, crazier things have happened, right? Like, they beat the Bills earlier this yeah, season. So crazier right. things are happening, but or th- crazier things have happened. But if you look at this Patriots schedule that's coming up, this is not exactly an easy schedule. Mm-mm. And if you look at it now, this was the most winnable game. Coming up next, you get the Chargers. Then you have Pittsburgh on the road. That team yeah. is, they fired Matt Canada. I saw it too. Like somebody had this stat is the first time they had 400 yards in a game in like forever is basically before Matt Canada. So <laughs> Pittsburgh now is, well, I don't even know. Like, I don't think their quarterback's great, but their defense is good. Then you play the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't think you're winning that Oof. one. Denver, who is, who is playing well. You're at Buffalo. And then you have the Jets. And who knows with this Jets situation? You could have easily lost the first one. I know the whole thing, the Jets, the Patriots own the Jets. But, man, if they screw up the draft pick on the final, like, who did it last year? Who screwed up the pick? Was it the Bears? No, the Texans. But, oh, the Texans did, but they still got Stroud anyway. Yeah, they still got Stroud anyway, so it worked out. But you tell me. What's the game they're winning in there? They're not going to win again, probably. I mean, maybe, like you said, maybe the Jets at home. But otherwise, those are all L's. No, I mean, it's looking good for us. Like you said, this is a big one. I'm glad they had some funny, uh, (laughs) 
some funny pictures on Instagram and Twitter from like uh, when Ryland's kick went wide, all these Patriots fans like cheering in the crowd. You see these? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great fans. They yeah, get it, yeah. man. Savvy. They get it. All right, so let's start off with that then. Let's go to the suckathon, Jamie, before we get yeah. into our picks for the week. I actually had a good week. Shockingly, I had a good week. So the suckathon. Chicago, who they own Carolina's pick. Carolina's one in ten. And they lost to Tennessee. They had a chance late. It was 17-10. They had a chance, yeah. obviously. They didn't come through. Carolina didn't come through. So that's not good. Arizona two and ten lost to the Rams. But okay, they lost to the Rams. They still have an opportunity to win a game late in the season. You have the Patriots right now with the third overall pick after losing that game to the New York Giants. And then Chicago sitting there at four. Chicago can really rebuild this thing quick. Yeah, where they sit at three and eight and they play the Vikings on Monday Night Football. So from a suck along angle here, great day for the Patriots because yeah. the Giants drop out of that top four. The Patriots go in. This was the game. This was the game on the schedule yeah. that you circled and you said, hey, if we want one of these quarterbacks, we got to lose this one. Mission accomplished. And I saw the boss Bill Simmons tweeted out today that Mac Jones is the Michael Jordan of tanking. I could not agree more. <laughs> I saw that. He's unreal, man. Even when you're going down, it looks like yeah. you're going to score. Doesn't Can't fail. Hey, Ooh, Mac's got pressure on him. You know what he's going to do? He's like the worst quarterback against pressure in the history of the league. Let me serve it up. It's almost a pick cover. six, by the way, but they end up scoring anyway. So, man, one thing we can say, if the Patriots get a quarterback, Mac didn't do the Patriots... Mac did the Patriots something, I'll say, if they get a quarterback. He's like, hey, Mac, you got your successor in, man. Good <laughs> shit. <laughs> He's playing for his successor. I can appreciate that. But no, I mean, like yeah. you said, looking at the, the Pat's schedule, I'm pretty sure if they just, I mean, they probably won't win again. I think that they'll get the second pick. I guess it's like about strength of schedule with Carolina, or the Cardinals rather. But I think as of now, they, it looks like we have a worse strength of schedule than the Cardinals do. Nice. Nice. I, I like that. War strength Number two. schedule. I don't want to get go. ahead of myself. And the Cardinals huh? could win one, man. It's not like the Cardinals are trying to lose games, right? Like they <laughs> no. have Kyler Murray playing. It'd be one thing if they shut Murray down for the season. Now, I don't think the Cardinals have a big opportunity to win a lot of games. Yeah, let's check. Uh, let me br- I'll bring up their schedule right now to check who they're playing. But the um but my point with that is though, Ooh, they're they at least the Bears. That's a juicy game. Okay, they have the Bears. The Red, they got Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, San Francisco. At the Bears, it'd have to be the one because it's at Philly and it's Seattle. Seattle, mm-hmm. well, Seattle could be interesting. I mean, they're probably still going to be in a playoff situation there. Seattle's going to be playing to get into the playoffs. But maybe, yeah. like, remember last year, I forget what team it was, but one team couldn't move their spot in the final week of the season. So it's like, hey, should we play our guys or oh, not? they could like, rest either way. Kind of yeah, thing. like right. maybe if, they're, if their spot is locked up. Okay, now, now we're on to something here. So, yeah, that's tough. So... But I do think they have a really good chance at the top three, which is a major victory. That'd be cool. Yeah, That is uh, thing, very, very necessary given our roster, I would say. Yeah, I'm with you. Man. And the other thing is, I said like Mac could do the Patriots fan base the favor of getting the next quarterback to replace him because he's been so bad. Yeah. But also like even like at his ceiling, he was never going to be a top five, no. six guy in the league. Well, maybe now you could actually get a top five, six guy in the league with this draft pick that Mac Jones could get you. So I hope that five years from now, or less than that, three to four years from now, the Patriots are in contention. They're at the Super Bowl. And after the Super Bowl, they say, you know what? At the parade, 
Mac Thank Jones, you, Mac you get a ring. <laughs> you give Mac Jones a ring. You get, you get, we're gonna, we have a parade in five years, Brian? Hey, I'm just saying, you never know what happened. You get these franchise caliber quarterbacks, yeah. you get the Pat Mahomes yeah. of the world, and I'm not saying these guys are Pat Mahomes, but who knows? Brian, and you like, want a crazy take? Yeah, let's hear it. What if we get the number two pick and we trade it for like like three first round picks of the future? Ugh. They know out of hand to move back yeah. like five spots. No, like think about how many pieces we need on the roster. We need like a we need a blue chipper across the board. Yeah, but if the quarterback's there, you got to take yeah. the quarterback. You know, <laughs> you can't miss out on the quarterback. Can't do it. No, we need the QB. We need the can't win with them. Yeah, <laughs> can't be with them. Can't play with them. Can't play with Mac anymore. What's your prediction? We asked James. So who do you think starts next week? Zappy? I mean, I was, I was talking to my family about it today. They're like, there's no way that they can uh, start Mac next week. I'm like, well, that's what I said after the Colts game. I said, there's no way they can start Mac Jones again. And lo and behold, he's out there again today. So I'll, I'll say it again. I, I think there's no way they can start Mac Jones again, but I've been wrong before, right? Yeah. I mean, I just... I, like I pick may a guy up this. off the waivers or I, something. I, I can't remember if I said this to James on or off the pod. Because uh-huh. we're recording these two parts of the pod separately. So if I did, forgive me. I want to see the footage, man. Leak the footage of Zappy's <laughs> practice last week. It's going to be like the know, worst practice. been dreadful. It's going to be the worst practice reps of all time if he's worse than Mac. Totally. I, I said to you, though, also beyond just the practice reps, I mean, we've all seen it. When a guy's running in Mac Jones's face, he just panics and throws an interception, which doesn't really happen, I don't think, in practice when you have a red shirt on, right? Yeah, true. That's but. true. All right, so let's get to our picks. Thanks to our friends at FanDuel. So I took the Giants on the money line at plus 140. There you go. They did it for me. Congratulations to the Giants. Big win for them. Big win for me. So I hit that one. And then we finally bounced back with the parlay. The three-legger, the plus 166. Not like there was a ton of juice on it, but Dolphins won against the Jets. Yep. By the way, did you see what happened in that Jets game on no, Friday? No, I didn't. No, uh, well, probably. Which one? At the end of the half, oh, they threw the, a Hail Mary. Six? That was yeah. hilarious. I've, I've never, never seen, seen that. that before. I've never seen that in my life. No, that was, that was a very big, Jetsy play. Yeah, I mean, this is the same franchise that had the butt <laughs> fumble. <laughs> then the Steelers beat the Bengals with Matt Canada out, as we mentioned that earlier. And obviously no Joe Burrow. And then we got the Chiefs on the money line against the Raiders. There you go. I think you hit a sweet spot there, Brian. The plus 160, I'm liking that range, you know? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta stick around there. I can't be doing like these plus three fifty or something. I like it, but um, you, you, you did a little better than me on the Giants. I took the Giants with the the spread plus four and a half. Uh, you know, just minus one ten, so it hit. But the the money line still was covered, the way yeah. to go. Still, still yeah, got it. Go. So that was good. And then I lost my other bet where I bet uh Browns plus two and a half against Denver. I think it's finally time for me to <laughs> stop betting against Denver. It's not working. Um, they 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 got something going on, I guess. Like there's forcing turnovers. Yeah. Russell's looking better. He's like rushing the more. I noticed he had like 11 rushes and a touchdown. So they're looking good all of a sudden. I, yeah, uh, Sean Payton, man. I stand corrected on that. Everybody shit on Sean Payton. Here they come. Yeah. But hey, at least you went one for two. Yeah, went in. Doubt, I went over two last weekend. Yeah, it happens. You know, I should. Yeah. I I didn't though. I I went away from my uh, bread and butter of betting Mac Jones to throw an interception. That's a lock these days. Oh, you didn't bet that this week? I thought no, that was I like know. your I thought that was I get, your every week thing. I should have. I mean, I'm sure he went under in yards considering he only played two quarters. Oh yeah. I wonder too. I was thinking about this during the game. 
How many times, like, I understand guys losing their job, but how many times do you think is the most times a quarterback's ever been pulled? This is the fourth time for Mac, right? Insane. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. Saints yeah, game, times. Cowboys game, Washington game in Germany, and this game today. How many, yeah. like, how many quarterbacks have been pulled more than that? I, I, I normally I it's just like happy more. Yeah, because normally it's just like, okay, the backup has the rest of the season. Or sometimes it's like right. the veteran before the young quarterback gets his chance. But it's very odd to see a guy get yanked four times in a season. <laughs> like that's that was, bizarre. The weird I think the weird stat in there too, I think they both happened in back to back games. Like I think it was like the Cowboys and Saints were blowouts and he got pulled and then he got pulled, like you said, in Germany two weeks ago before the bye and today. You know, odd little thing. And it's, but yeah, I think it just goes to show, like we've talked about, just how bad the whole quarterback group is in general. Kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, it's horrendous, man. All right, Jamie. Well, good stuff, man. And we'll get ready for uh, the Patriots next week. going to be an exciting yeah. football game. Like you said, though, a uh, good win for the Giants. Thank you, Giants. And by the way, I'm still trying to look into this about the game on Christmas <clears throat> Eve. I actually think that can be flexed now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well... You. I want to be I I'm not 100% sure on that but because that's a that's a full slate of games that Sunday NFL Network right because Christmas Eve is a Sunday if it was Saturday I don't think it could be moved but because I, I, it's su- Sunday I, I could think be wrong move. but it's like it's like the Sunday night football of Chris Collinsworth is it's the Saturday game okay so that's yeah because there's a game on Peacock too there's a game that's Saturday it's One's on NBC and one's on Peacock. Interesting. And then the Sunday one is NFL Network. Maybe they can just bend the rules. Yeah. We got... So Christmas weekend, we have the Patriots and the Broncos are playing Sunday. And then on Monday, which is Christmas Day, is falls on Monday this year. We have the Celtics and the Lakers at five. Which game are you more interested in? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the next couple of weeks play out in the NFL. See if uh, that's can jazz up some interest. Yeah, I not saw exactly. we were uh, officially eliminated from the playoffs today, Brian. Sorry to say. Oh, really? I, I thought yeah, I was still holding that out. But it, <laughs> Patriots Broncos. You think they'll try to like play if it does stay on Sunday night, which I can't imagine is going to be the case. You think they play out like the Manning Brady rivalry? Oh, for sure. What else? Do they they tried to play out yeah. like they brought in Gronk for the game today. That, Gronk that and Stringer. Gronk was talking about how New York's like a great place to visit. I'm like, okay, this is just getting like a little bit too much. And then like, low we blow, need... they're like, they're like, hey, Gronk, remember when he lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl? Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, and he's Be nice. saying, yeah, I basically had a broken ankle. Right, right. He did. I remember oh, that was man. a huge storyline leading up to that game, but. That fucking right. Bernard Pollard hurt everyone. Oh, yeah, that guy was dirty. All right, Jamie, good stuff, man. Thanks, Brian. As always, make sure to get your voicemails in 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. We'll be back with you on Tuesday night after the Celtics and the Chicago Bulls are a complete dumpster fire. Maybe the Celtics can pull off this like 35-point win or whatever to get into the in-season tournament. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Strudy for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.